This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United in crisis after county catastrophe. And dithering Dundee desperately need that manager. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie and podcasting alongside me this week are Alan Temple. I nearly uh, forgot your second name there. You're getting to that age, aren't I you? I know, that's yeah, terrible. That's shocking. But uh, you are Alan Temple. Uh, last time I checked, yeah, hello everyone. And George Cran. Hello. Graham Finnan's not with us this week because he's retired now and he's on his first ever saga holiday. <laughs> <laughs> He's away having cups of tea. He's on a bus tour or something like that. Somewhere in the Highlands just now going, oh, shortbread, I love it, honest. He's probably hating it as well, wishing he was drawing a page as we speak. Yes, he'll be looking at his watch going, I could have been doing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm getting is a cup of tea and the shortbread. Anyway, Alan, we're starting with the United this week. What on earth happened? One of the worst defensive displays you could ever seek to witness. It was a horrible juxtaposition there was so much pomp and circumstance ahead of the game there was colour there was noise there was more than 10,000 fans there and within 28 seconds they fell behind and it just uh, it was just the encapsulations of of the campaign really it was uh, you know it starts off with some positivity and quickly turns into a car crash it was the first goal uh, it's just a, a ridiculous goal to concede a long ball after 16 seconds Ryan Edwards is out muscled and there's a corner kick. Two of Ross County's most dangerous uh, players from set pieces left completely unmarked to the back post. Either Ayakoviti or Baldwin could have headed it across the face of goal yeah. for Jordan White to score. Um, First one, I was listening on the radio, they were still previewing games. Yeah. And I, I can't think, remember who was at the game there. Oh, there's a goal here. <laughs> Jim Goodwin was still enjoying a joke with Malky yeah, McKay on the touchline. You know, there's there's angles of the there's an angle of the the first goal that shows that they've just shaken hands and they're having a wee bit of a back and forth, jokingly, and Ross County score. That's how early the goal was, and it just uh, it deflated the, the the stadium a little. And to be fair, United played relatively well from that point in terms of open play. They richly, richly merited their their equaliser and and to go in level, but. Then again, the the second and third goals are just they're just dire defensively. Yeah. You know, it's people losing duels, it's runs not being tracked, it's a lack of aggression, and they seem to be back to perfecting this thing. You look at the box, and there's plenty of tangerine jerseys here, but nobody's near anybody. The the third goal was was something else in that regard. See, when Cancola plays that little ball through to Simon Murray, Simon Murray is inside the Dundee United penalty area, and there's say six Dundee United players kind of vaguely around him Loy Kine is weirdly sort of positioned in front of Ryan Edwards rather than beside him <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and and Simon Murray has the you must think he's wearing a cloak of invisibility because he's just standing there thinking but I can't believe I'm about to receive the ball completely <laughs> free in the Dundee United mm-hmm. box and he hits the byline he crosses and it's a goal it was just the the lack of aggression more than anything felt unforgivable given the the uh, the importance and the magnitude of the game and Jim Goodwin was bang on in his comments after the game where he can and you could see it play out in front of you when he compared that to the way Baldwin and Aikuviti dealt with Stephen Fletcher mm-hmm. they you know they didn't win every duel but by God they made sure Stephen Fletcher won nothing cleanly they made sure he wasn't able to take the ball into his body without a fight and uh, that was the aggression that was required and it just wasn't there and the, the only positive you can really take from the game well, you take maybe a couple, and one of them being, for example, the performance of Rory McLeod, he was bright, so you would take that as maybe a wee positive. But overall, it was such a throwback to their poor performances. Mm-hmm. It was such a poor defensive display that you think to yourself, is that just the one under Jim Goodwin? You know, it's not been that bad under him until this point, and perhaps it won't be that bad under him after that point, perhaps it was just one of those days, which can happen. Those days are just particularly precarious when you're in the position that Dundee United mm. are in at the moment. So we'll see on Saturday whether or not it was just a really bad day at the office, but um, it was yeah. it was a, a lamentable defensive showing at exactly the time in the season where you really want didn't it. want it. Well, you said they get back into the game. I mean, it, it, 
I, w- I mean, a one-nil defeat would have been bad enough, but to lose three goals at this stage of the season to one of your two biggest rivals mm-hmm. at home. And you don't want to be... It's certainly not absolution for the manager because he had big decisions to make and one of them was obviously Charlie Mulgrew being yeah. suspended and now that did leave him with a... If he'd wanted to keep the same shape that had been working in previous games, that sort of 4-3-3 shape, your big question is what do you do? Because you can't play Ryan Edwards and Loy Kaina. They're, two, they're both two right-sided. So if you want to keep that back four, you either play Scott McMahon as a left-sided centre half and a four or you bring in Ross Graham out of the cold and... He didn't want to do either of those things, obviously, mm-hmm. which means you go to a back three, McMahon, Edwards, and I, you know, which is what I suspected he would do. But that didn't work in any way. It didn't give them defensive solidity. And most of all, arguably more damaging, is it was the quietest Niskanen and Behic have been yeah. for several, several weeks because they weren't playing as wingers. They were back in that sort of wing-back role with far more defensive duties. And that really blunted uh, a fair amount of United's attacking, I thought. So I would fully expect, fully expect them to be back to 4-3-3 this weekend and with Mulgrew and Aina as the centre-back pairing because that, by the length of the day, is United's best defensive option mm-hmm. right now. Not a shadow of a doubt. George, does this go back to last summer? Again, I mean, people have said to me, without seeing the men's and like... Weekly, but people say, oh, if United got a bad squad, it's the wrong B, it's a balance. You yeah. lose one player and you've got to change, which Jim Goodwin can't do anything about because he's coming after the transfer windows. But you lose one player and you have to change from a formation that's been working for you. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair point. And you look back at January and the anger from the fans at the end of January because they, they could clearly see that the, the work hadn't been done to get bodies in to sort the problems that maybe been there, that obviously had been there since the summer. Um, they didn't do the business they needed to do it and it, it looks like that's, start, that's really starting to show um, right at the time of the season that it really can't. Um, it doesn't feel that long ago since we thought United were going to stay up and now suddenly it's two results. and it's, I still think they will stay up. I, my, my problem... I'm worried. I, I'm worried now as well after that result. I, I'm struggling to see how they finish 10th now with two teams I don't in front think they'll them. necessarily finish 10th no. I just say I don't think they'll get relegated I have, yeah. my, I have my concerns I'd say 11th now I've, <laughs> I have my concerns over that as well um, just looking at the, the way Saturday went and how, how much trouble they had with Jordan White and in particular obviously scoring a hat-trick and you've got Area United or Partick in, in that playoff final who their main player is a big striker who batters defenders around yeah. either Brian Graham or Tipo Akinyeni Brian Graham batters defenders in a way he never did when he was wearing tangerine <laughs> by the way yeah um, so well that's, that's jumping ahead a bit but I have my concerns over that um, they just they just have to start playing like a, a team that's in a relegation battle because that's Ross County certainly did on Saturday the way they went about it as, as Alan says and gave hardly anything away in terms of defensive kind of attitude and aggression and stuff and United didn't show that I mean I was speaking to Lee Wilkie for his column this week and that's the first thing he points out obviously the type of defender he was that's the one the first thing he would see man yeah. first ball second yeah um, winning your area balls winning your one to one battles it just didn't it seemed like Ross Kennedy were much more up for that game than United were and I wonder whether that just comes from the fact that Ross County have expected all season to be in this position. They they know that's likely going to be where they are right from the start. And United are still a bit seem to be a bit surprised that they're in a relegation battle. The one positive United can take is the time that they've been in their most stark position was a couple of weeks ago yeah. when Ross County won won a two nil actually I think it was at St Johnston and mm-hmm. went five po- sent United five points adrift at the bottom of the league. On that Sunday, they had to play Hibs at home. They had to win, and mm. they did. In fact, they then won the next three games. And I wonder with the type of personalities that are in that United dressing room, there are experienced players, big game players, whether rather than be cowed by the looking at that league table, looking at that league table might be exactly what they need to get the sort of response they got in yeah. that Hibs game once more, because that is now fundamentally what's required. And you would say, famous last words, but... 
if you did want to be playing any team right now, it would be Livingston. They're donating yeah. points to everyone in the bottom six at the moment. And, um, you know, latest David Martindale press conference, he's talking again about budget cuts. He's talking about if he can't get a tune out of these players, he'll need to walk away and things like that, mm-hmm. you know. So there is a, a sense of spiralling at Livingston. So yeah. you, they are the team that preferably you'd want to be playing right now. But at the same time, that makes the situation all the more stark if you don't beat them. If you don't beat yeah. them, yeah. then I'd, uh, you then look at the final two games and say, well, if you can't beat Livingston, then you're not um, necessarily going to beat Kilmarnock and, and Motherwell. So, yeah, it's a big day. And I just, I can understand the sense of despondency. I really can. But George... Well, we'd mapped it out for them well, on here. It was it was the perfect thing. Go Start off with St. Johnson, big United crowd. Beat them. Draw with them. Huge United crowd against Ross County beat them and we thought it was a, the the post split fixtures were work, had worked out great for United but now now it's two away games and one at home but inadvertently George has, uh, has touched on the, the key thing to remember which is uh, it's a couple of that weeks ago that didn't mean it <laughs> it's, yeah. um, that's usually the case <laughs> a couple of weeks ago we were talking about United finishing 10th perhaps 9th that's how quickly yeah. things can change and it can change that quickly again because of Three points might seem a big gap, but as we often say when we get to this stage of the season, goal difference is such a big thing now. And because of that superior goal difference to Kilmarnock, Dundee United are feasibly one win away from 10th. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So it isn't, it isn't all... In terms of finishing 10th, I'd be a lot more worried if that goal difference was the other way because then yeah. Kilmarnock would be effectively be four points yeah. ahead of Dundee United. So... You know, you never know. Might need a, you know, might need a favour from, uh, you know, Tayside rivals St Johnston. Yeah. Uh, you know, who are obviously going to Rugby Park and and they're desperately trying to avoid getting sucked into this. But County have got a tough one away to Motherwell because, uh-huh. to their absolute credit, Motherwell aren't on the beach and that's a that's a real cap should be doffed to to Stuart Kettlewell because yeah, he's got them still playing. I'm yeah. I'm worried you know? about United going to Motherwell because <laughs> yeah. he's be, I I think that. I'm guessing his message to his players is you're still playing for next season mm-hmm. yeah. and, and we want to we want and it is a thing teams that finish a season badly are often mm-hmm. in trouble the next season equally Kettlewell yeah. is obviously hammering home finish this season well we'll start next season they, well. they might be on the beach for that last game though yeah and they might already be secured the, in seven. the thing that is worth remembering as well is with County playing Kilmarnock on the last day they can't both win yeah. so uh, as long as and here's your nightmare scenario as long as Dundee United aren't sufficiently far back that a draw would suit it's gonna say both County and Kilmarnock yeah. who's Austria and West Germany yeah. yeah so as long as you're not in that situation <laughs> then um, you know County against Kilmarnock both teams can't pick up three points so there's an accumulation of things that don't make me um plan out and lay out my Dundee United relegation features just but you're yet. Right, if, they, if United can hang in there, mm-hmm. there, there's obviously going to be, if it goes to the last day, there's going to be huge pressure. Mm-hmm. But there's still a slight sense of freedom in that they know they're getting a good result elsewhere, one way or another. So if they can go and Freedom do might be the uh, wrong word. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll be pretty tense. Uh, but yeah, there's, they shouldn't be adrift, is the, mm-hmm. is the point. Mm-hmm. They, they, it would take a disastrous run of results for Dundee United to be going to Motherwell on the last day of the season knowing that even if they win they'll still finish bottom of the league that that shouldn't be the case they should be going there knowing that if they win then there's a really good chance that they finish at least 11th yeah. um, so, um, and they're capable I mean I would imagine the message that Jim Goodwin's hammering home is you're capable of winning every game you'll be concentrating on each game as it comes but yeah. I mean they've, they've, they've shown they've got that in in them under him the only thing I think is there is a real sense of despondency among United fans, and understandably so. What does Jim Goodwin do? Does he take them, take his team away and cocoon them, and keep them keep them in a darkened room apart from training and games, just to keep them away from? Obviously, it changes if they win on Saturday, mm-hmm. but but be a, I would imagine it'd be a tough week for manager and players this week. I don't I don't think it's a squad that is particularly hung up on pressure it's a really experienced squad so you mm-hmm. go through 111 and it kind of makes their position as it is kind of unforgivable because yeah. they clearly shouldn't be in it but you go through the spine 
Birigi is a very experienced player who, for all his faults, is still there, still playing. Lesser players would have <laughs> melted away going through what, what, what he has mm-hmm. this season. So then through to Charlie Mulgrew, Sibold, Harks, Jamie McGrath, Aziz Behic, Stephen Fletcher. You know, that is a list of players who aren't going to be thinking, oh, I'm nervous, I've never played in big games before. No. It's just a couple of months ago, Aziz Behic was scampering past Lionel Messi at the World Cup. So it's. I don't think that's the issue. The, the issue is turning that ability to handle pressure into performances, being fired up, being hungrier than the opposition, which is what they weren't against Ross County. Sometimes football's a, a, you know, a fairly simple game. Yeah. And uh, I just... I think there was a, a lack of aggression and fire and um, physicality compared to Ross County. And I would be fairly confident, and from speaking to Jim Goodwin this week, earlier this week, I think he, he comes across as really, really confident, really defiant that that will not happen again. Yeah. You know, that, that cannot the play, the happen players again. all know as well. Yeah. So, but to be honest, and I probably have this in common with most Dundee United fans, uh, you know, we, we have heard this before. Well, you know, we have heard. Um, positive words we've heard defiant survival cries all season it's time to win three football matches and stay up yeah but there, there is that problem that, I mean the season's been littered with performances like last Saturday and you just there is that fear that there'll be another one isn't there yeah of course there is yeah and there's absolutely maybe mm, not this Saturday but yeah there's nothing I can there's nothing that anybody can say to the United fans that are feeling pessimistic or thinking this is only heading one way um, it's you know not my job to convince them otherwise it's the players job to convince them otherwise and uh, that pretty much needs to start this Saturday and I mean you touched on it Livingston are spiralling must admit George my, my worry would be this is the week that <laughs> they get David Martindale kicks a few backsides and says I'm not accepting this anymore it doesn't matter what's happening you're paid uh, yeah. professional pride that Living, Livingston will have a wee bit of a hunger just to show they're better than recent results su- suggest. Uh, professional pride and all that. Um, I can't get out of my head. Alan's talking about as his BH playing against Messi not so long ago. So he's gone from Messi to the macaroni this weekend. It's, <laughs> macaroni it's can be messy. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a come down, isn't it? Um, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that's not how he sees it. Um, uh, that's nothing. He could be Gayfield and Capello next season. <laughs> <Christ> <laughs> almighty, you want to come down? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell Ewan Smith's not on this podcast. Uh, imagine if he was. He dissed the Gayfield. I know. Um, no, Capello, I, fair enough. <laughs> that, that, that is my worry as well. <laughs> my worry with, with Livy as well. Um, they have been so poor of late that it's going to end at some point. United have to make sure it doesn't end when, when they're in town. Um, they've done all right there this season before, though, haven't they? Yeah, they had a, okay. they had an absolutely abysmal record there for a, yeah. a long period. Then they won there in Liam Fox's first match mm-hmm. um, as as interim manager. They they won in the cup and and they drew there recently yeah. as his bench yeah. leveler. But until that point, uh, there was a period where the last time they won at the what's now the Tony Macaroni Arena was. A game so long ago that Stevie Crawford scored the winner. So that was how long prior to that win under yeah. Liam Fox that they had won at Livingston. So it might be an exaggeration to call it a happy hunting ground, <laughs> but it's become a, a less bad hunting ground <laughs> recently. Well, I, th- I, th- I think you can use that. I mean, maybe it's just a type of place that suits this team. Um, folk have talked forever about Livy having having this kind of home advantage with the, the plastic pitch and, and that sort of stuff. It's obviously not worked with this Dundee United team this, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and plastic pitches are suit footballers. Dundee yeah. United have a lot of footballers on their team. You know, uh, tidy footballers. So, yeah. so I tend to think that we'll make, unless it's a really bad pitch uh, that hasn't been maintained properly, we'll make too much because uh, even by the time I finish doing this job regularly, George Allen, you spoke to younger players, they'd come up, yep. they'd train at, at the very least. I mean, Dundee United kids, anyone that's come through the Dundee United Academy has trained a lot at Gussie Park, yep. so, so they're used to the, yep. those surfaces, and I always think they're true I know, I, I, surfaces. I, I, I never really bothered with the whole plastic being a problem. I, I mean, I don't like it in the top flight, it should be grass, but... Um, I've never really that first until this season when you see Kilmarnock's record and the vast difference between points at home and, and away. That's the, 
the only thing that makes me kind of sit up and look at the, the, the other argument on that. And maybe try to be positive about it too. I mean, he's had his, he's had his problems and his bad games this season, but it's maybe shown how Charlie Mulgrew stepped up to the mark that they missed him on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I think, you know, Charlie Mulgrew is still not as big and strong as Jordan White, but I think, for example, he would have handled him with a lot more nous. And you guys are talking there about, you know, potential playoff opponents, Brian Graham, Deepo mm. Akinyemi. I'd fancy Charlie Mulgrew to handle both of them as well. Ah, I, you know, yeah. He's just... The levels just, he's been at. Yeah, yeah there's just nous. He, he knows he might not win every battle, but he's clever enough to make sure that not winning a battle doesn't you know, result in a catastrophic yeah, he, chance for the he's opposition. He's known as a football and centre half, yeah. but he's experienced enough to he's, go out there and say, well, today's a physical battle, yeah. so be it. He hasn't been perfect under Jim Goodwin. You know, There have been mistakes, but he has, behind Loy Kaina, been the most solid centre half. And I think when you speak to Loy Kaina and you, and you speak to... I say, Aina seems to benefit yeah. when he's beside Mulgrew. When you speak to both of them about each other, it becomes absolutely apparent what a good partnership that is mm-hmm. in terms of Charlie nurturing um, Aina along. And, I mean, it's fair to say that probably Charlie Mulgrew hasn't Mr. Popular among a portion of United fans this, this season. This, of, this week particularly. Yeah, this week. But, 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 yeah that's what I'm kind of <laughs> referring to this week, going to this Celtic event as we speak tonight. Um, however... He did as, play as, for them and he did win trophies and, with uh, them. Yeah, and, and he is going in his own time as a... You know, as an individual, so it's yeah. it's. I, I don't think. And I'm op- sure he'll take his car and he'll drive his oh, car back. Well, I think that's the one. He's a, he's a great pro. I think that's the the one thing that is a couple of things worth emphasising. Are this isn't Jason Cummings going to open goal? God bless him. You yeah. know, he Charlie Mulgrew is a very different character. Well, he I have is. to say, me going. But he, he was there. <laughs> he was at that. Oh, open goals were made. He was he driven and stuff. Exactly. He, that yeah. Night, yeah. He's if you stand. Beside Charlie Mulgrew, there is not an ounce of fat on the man. He is built like a tank. He is incredibly fit. He is a real professional. He'll be going there, having a few laughs and drinking water and driving home. That's. I mean, he lives in Glasgow anyway. Mm. It's not... This isn't a a big shindig that he's going to be stumbling home from. And it is entirely in his own time as an individual person. People are allowed lives when their working contracted hours expire. However, having said all that, the optics aren't fantastic no. this week of all weeks. I think if it had been any other time in the season, I don't think anything gets made of it. However, the optics aren't fantastic to be going to a night celebrating the events of another club you've played for in the top flight when you're a contracted club that you're also a coach for um, yeah. are bottom of the league. That is quite obviously not a great look. Um, so I do see both sides of the argument and as with these sort of you know murky arguments sometimes there are grey areas and Twitter and coming to training on Friday with a winning mentality yeah, again. Well, tw- Twitter and, and football discourse in 2023 yeah. in general doesn't have much time for grey areas, but yeah. there are in this particular you know, scenario. But I, I, we veered on to that by talking about just how important he is, and that will remain the case yeah. after he goes and enjoys a, a, an event at the Hydro with a few old mates. And that is the thing we always say. These things, these things become issues when there's been bad results. Yes. Yeah, that, I mean, if they'd won their last two games, nobody would care. That's what I'm talking about in terms of the optics. Dundee United fans don't want to see their starting centre half celebrating how great it was back in the Celtic mm. days when he might be getting relegated with their team. And it's not, it's not my responsibility to tell them that's fine. If they're not happy with that, then uh-huh. I can totally understand why they wouldn't be happy with it. And equally, I see Craig Levine, which surprised me a wee bit, um, Raising suspicions you've put in the notes, George, about uh, Tony Ashgar's continued involvement at Dundee United. Now, the day Ashgar left, people were saying to me, he's still there, it's all his people. You you can't sack the whole... You can't just dispense with the whole administration of a football club when the man at the top leaves. It might happen over time, but you can't do it in a day or weeks or a couple of months. Now... I mean, I don't know, is the honest answer. You're there, Alan. You speak to them. Do you get a sense that Tony Ashgar's still running Dundee United? 
the thing I'm surprised about is that you would be surprised that Craig Levine would throw a wee grenade on radio. <laughs> I, I could not be. I just thought Craig might have steered clear of it. No, not a chance. In context, a phone and call, very good phone and call from a, a supporter. Um, and you've unsurprised me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it suggested that Craig come back to should come back to to Dundee United and, and Kenny McIntyre also one that enjoys throwing a grenade yes um suggested that the the hierarchy had changed from the last time craig had spoke to them and uh, he said has it has it changed <laughs> uh, and he just honestly I, I do get the feeling that craig saw his chance right. to <laughs> be a little bit naughty because yeah. uh, anyone that knows <laughs> craig knows that um if he ever um had any filters as a as a player or manager then yes. those have gone at this stage of his life he is just um he's great fun as a pundit i remember him as a young hearts manager uh, the beat dundee under Andu, uh, avano benetti at uh, Tynecastle and my tabloid colleagues were looking for controversy and they said Craig Ivano Benetti says he's really disappointed because Dundee are a much better team and Craig just went I think they are as well but we still won yeah <laughs> and he was just laughing he, 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 he likes that kind of that side of the game right. uh, I must admit but to be clear on the on the Tony Ashkar situation what I would say is it would be um incredibly foolhardy for the club to be quite so forthright in stating that Tony Asker has yeah. absolutely no mm. um, involvement, which uh, Luigi Capuano, the current CEO, has done on record with us and the messages we were getting privately from the, the club this week. That r remains the case. There's uh -huh. no involvement. This would be quite a serious case of misleading shareholders and stakeholders if yeah. he was involved that would be a, an incredibly silly thing to do. So Dundee's a village, Scottish football's a village. Yeah, what, it's the kind of thing that you would find out. And, and it's natural that there'll still be rumours yeah. because, and there's this, you know, uh, Tony Asker has a, a, a you know, pre-existing work relationships with some people that are still at Dundee United, um, although he would be quick to tell you that Mark Ogren hires people, not Tony Asker, or mm -hmm. hired people, not Tony Asker. Um, but nevertheless, he had a working relationship with many of these people, including Luigi Capuano, prior to um, working together at Dundee United. So that would naturally spark um, suggestions that they still have dialogue, they still speak, Tony Asker is still involved. Whether or not that's the case, I doubt, because frankly, I don't think there's a, a club in the world who would be so foolhardy as to forthright in these denials and, yeah. and to have an issue so incendiary as the the Tony Asker situation and lie about it which is what it would be yeah it would, it what, would be an on the, it, it would be an on the record lie uh -huh. so hmm. if Tony Asker is still involved then that's what the club have done and I, I would be astonished if, yeah. if, if, if they had so no I, I don't think he's still involved but um has he ever had a, a conversation with people that he's worked with for well, many that, years prior to Dundee thing. United? Maybe, I don't know, but that's not the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah, it's another thing, it's a great thing in football, it seems to sort of, there seems to be a, a boundary between, like when ma a manager departs, mm -hmm. you're allowed to phone him up or he can phone up the caretaker manager and say good luck. I mean, maybe somebody phoned Tony Arsgaard and say, where are the keys to that cabinet? Mm -hmm. You don't. You don't know. Well, and, well that's and, and it's a good. People have personal relationships. It's a good comparison because you've been to so many pressers, and when a young manager, get, a good example would be say Stephen McLean getting the yeah. St Johnson job. I can guarantee you, one of the first questions at that presser would have been, "So have you phoned up yeah. any of your old managers about it? You know, uh, who who do you take inspiration from?" Now, if I'd sat down with Luigi Capuano and said, "So have you spoke much to Tony? Is he giving you advice?" And he said, "Oh yeah, Tony's been great." He said, a, "There would be an uproar. There would be, you know, people would be storming the banks of Tynecastle. Uh, sorry, Tannadice. <laughs> I don't know what Hearts have got to do with it." Um, yeah. So there's an interesting difference there, but I should emphasise that there's not even any suggestion that that's happened. That there's mm -hmm. still a dialogue. You know, that it could be complete cold mm -hmm. turkey because of because of how sensitive an issue it is amongst some United fans. So. I suspect that Craig, having had a few unsuccessful talks with Luigi about the, the vacancy yes. a, a couple of months ago, has saw the chance to um, uh, be, a little bit, be a yeah. little bit feisty. And um, 
I, I, I'm, I'm not going to criticise him for that because I, I do enjoy Craig Levine being yes. Craig Levine <laughs> and I, I hope he never stops but I, I think some people are taking it as more of a serious accusation whereas I think Craig Levine was just like let's set a cat in the hen house kind of thing or a fox in the hen house if you want to use the actual expression <laughs> <laughs> You mixed up the cat and the pigeons. I'm, and I'm, the, yeah. I'm sure there's been cats in hen houses. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. Mine have. <laughs> he said bitterly, having had to clear up the mess. Mm. To end United on a brighter note, Louis Appert, old boy, wins promotion with Northampton Town. And also, I have to say, Harry Souter looked incredibly happy when he was going to take his seat on the bench for Leicester on, on Monday night. Because he wasn't playing. He was, he was <laughs> laughing and joking. Uh, maybe that was it, he wasn't playing. But, but he looked he, he looked just so happy. And I thought, do you know who you're playing for and who, who your teammates are playing against? But to stick with Louis Appert, well done to him. He's gone down south and grasped his chance I better be gutted he's not in this week he, he absolutely adores him the yeah ju- junior past I, always, so well I, I remember juniors. that when because there was always a doubt about Lee a pair at United and he went to the juniors for a year and bear with his junior connection said yeah. this boy's doing well and he's and, and a pair said it himself toughened up playing men's football rather than youth football and he's he's done very well for himself that's quite a few isn't there down south they've done, done okay in terms of ex-United boys Alan uh, maybe they should have kept someone uh, yeah it's interesting you say that because Louis Aperi is one of those sort of players that I think among some United fans there's a feeling that well we never actually gave him a proper concerted run as a number nine mm-hmm. so how do we know that he wouldn't have made the grade how do we know that he wouldn't have developed and he's got 23 goal contributions kind of goals and assists in 66 appearances for Northampton Town it's a good ratio it's the kind of ratio that if United, in fact, as they probably will be, say they're looking down south for a striker, <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of ratio that would make them consider maybe signing them. So, um, delighted to see him do well. I think the context is uh, is really nice for him as well because, as with a few players, didn't get to celebrate the the championship that was won during COVID with you know friends, family, supporters. Yeah. Then missed out on promotion with Northampton Town on the last day of the season on goal difference. Um, last season so to, to then go up this season is uh, fantastically cathartic and delighted to see him doing well and really interesting to see what he does in the next step which is League One which yeah, big teams in League One you know, really big teams in League One and it's a good test so um, yeah look it's always nice to keep track of the of the United Old Boys especially when things maybe aren't going as uh, swimmingly up here a nice distraction yes. isn't it yes it's nice to look elsewhere good stuff and now on to Dundee. Deja vu, George. Deja vu. Deja vu all over again. Who doesn't want to be their manager this time? <laughs> Callum Davidson, it seems. Feels like everybody at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's it's been quite a week. Well, all way, I was I was poised. I, I clicked onto the Dundee website several times yesterday. And then early afternoon, found there, there would be no announcement mm. because Callum Davidson had thought it over and decided. It wasn't for him. And he joins Jack Ross and Sean Maloney in, in yeah. very similar situation, getting really quite far in terms of negotiations and the nitty-gritty, and then deciding it didn't quite add up. Um, Why does this keep happening? Well, that's the question. I know, I just asked it. <laughs> well, I'm not in I'll these negotiations. The you answer. I'm there not, you go. Juggle that grenade, yeah. George. Juggle I'm, not, it. I'm not in those negotiations, I'm not sure. But I, I, I do have my suspicions that um, the way things ended with, with Gary Bowyer and, and the way he was treated after winning the league maybe has something to do with it. Um, from, from what I hear, it's, uh, Calm Davison decided against it for not for one singular reason but for a lot of kind of little things that kind of added up and made him feel a wee bit uneasy about, about taking it taking the role of that I think he, he was um, for a long long time in the negotiations he was very much up for it I think um, because if you on the kind of the surface of it it's 
It's a really job. interesting job. It's a team that's just won the league, so <laughs> and you're getting to build your own team. Exactly. You've got your pick of what the players that have just won a league, obviously proven winners, that are happy or happy in in football in terms, maybe not happy in contract terms, but um, in a good place, and they've got a winning mentality. And then you get to choose however, however many of those you want, and then bring in your own players um, for an ambitious manager. I think that's a pretty decent deal. There's obviously something else that's that's in the way, whether it's, I don't know. Budget, working conditions. That's my suspicion the budget is not for the expectations that the club has to be not continually up and down, battling against relegation every single time and, and trying to push to the top six. My suspicion is that the, the budget and the managers see the budget they're going to get work with that they kind of think mm, um, I'm not sure well that's probably not marrying up the expectations yeah. with the amount of money that's, that's going to be on offer it's going to be a, a tough job to be able to match those expectations but that's my to, suspicion to defend Dundee for once in my case uh, on that score Alan times are still hard I mean there is there, there, a lot of clubs are still suffering from a, a hangover from, from Covid Times are hard everywhere, so it's maybe not surprising that the budget is going to be tight. No, certainly, and it's it's difficult to either be critical of or take the side of Dundee without knowing the exact mm. numbers involved. But what you would say to that is, regardless of not going mad, and I don't think anyone would suggest they spend crazily out with their means, there also does need to be a, an element of speculate to accumulate you know yeah. if you want to stay in the top flight you yeah. need to gradually move <clears throat> towards paying top flight wages and there needs to be a willingness to do that and you know one of the things George listed there as being attractive about the job is the chance to uh, you know build to shape a completely new squad and but that swiftly becomes a negative if you're not going to be given the money to mm-hmm. build a good one. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody wants to come in and build a subpar squad that's going to get yeah, relegated. Squad not confident in. and be the and be the manager who it would undeniably be your squad if you've pieced it together. Yeah, and, exactly. and if you suspect that it's not going to be good enough to stay up, then that's very much on you. So it's, uh, as I say, a difficult one to make a, a kind of concrete judgment on either way. But the fact that you know, managers. I just wonder if you know Dundee are, are targeting just a slight tier above what's say, maybe realistic for the, the money flip that's side on offer. Of, um, uh, my budget defence in Dundee. They have to be a bit more realistic then. If if the budget's tight, and and we we'll understand that that might be the case, it has yeah. to re- yeah. be reflected in who they're targeting well, as yeah. managers. I, I think it was it was quite revealing that Gary Boyer. He was still on the pitch at Ockelview with the celebrations going on. He was talking immediately about, I know how much the salaries are for players in the top flight, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about Rangers Celtic, I'm talking about 7th, 8th. Yeah. We need to invest in this team. And he said that, yeah. still on the pitch, with John Elms and Tim Keyes not about five yards away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm was guessing. That when they had their hands over their ears, going, <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah, I think even, so. even now, you've got. You know, a, a, a tweet from BBC last night, com, you know, confirming that Callum Davidson was off and suggesting that the club had an interest in Robbie Nielsen. Hmm. Now, Robbie Nielsen's not going to take that job, Aye. so I don't, I don't know where that's come from. Yeah. But you know, if that's coming from anyone within the club, they're doing the same thing again. They're making supporters <laughs> yeah. think that they might be in for a manager that they're not going to get. Now, shut my mouth if somehow they put together a package that tempts Robbie Nielsen to It'd Dundee. be a great capture. Yeah. I, I'd love to see Robbie Nielsen there, but I'm like you. I don't see that a man that's with his reputation that's worked with the budgets he has is going to be attracted no, to that no. job. It's, it's a complete non-starter, which makes me just wonder where that's come from and you know what what the the PR strategy is and I just I have so many more questions than answers about <laughs> yeah. Dundee and, and I realise that there's a frustration in the element that you know without speaking to John Nelms and Gordon Strachan you won't get the answers to no. any of these questions in terms of budgets and and what the thinking is behind targeting people and how names are getting out before the, it's done and 
yeah, I just now's the time for Dundee to very quietly find their next manager and make do, sure do that he's, and make sure that he's signed a contract before you tell anybody <laughs> that he's signing because yeah, you know that's, that's a it's a it was a very very well respected very good very reputable journalist that that carried the fact that Callum Davidson had agreed to become Dundee manager mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that didn't come from nowhere so someone at Dundee's told him that and so just yeah. Get just get somebody signed before you leak thing, a name, before yeah. you brief. Before the thing you was, everyone anything. knew that Calm Davidson was their choice anyway, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it didn't really need to Even happen. Then. And if you're Calm Davidson waking up uh, that morning, reading that you've agreed to become Dundee manager, mm. when maybe you haven't, did you, do we think that helped negotiations? Nope. No. So I just, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's not. We said over the desks this morning that I've never known a feel-good factor to last quite so short a time. Yeah. Um, and Dundee need to get there. Oh, we're used get, to it. Dundee, <laughs> Dundee can do that. No, and I mean, no, no players, no manager, no head of recruitment. The things need to move fast. I they know. really do. The head yeah. of recruitment, I think, really took them aback. Uh, and Gary Ogilvy telling them that he'd, he, he decided his time with the club was over. And I mean, you've known him. Tommy's a big Dundee fan of that, wouldn't it? Would, no, it would, since he was about a new young. When he was in S form at Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been no, a, an not easy decision. Not well, but always yeah. stop and say hello in the street. From the same glorious area of the city, you see. Oh, right. Grew up round the corner from my wife. There's a fact. There's a fact that <laughs> adds nothing to the conversation. Well, it just adds to Dund- Dundee's village status. It just adds to that. In fact, she once said to me when Gary was in the police, was was Gary not a footballer? Yeah. <laughs> that was a level of, of interesting <laughs> football. So, no, that was a while ago now, dear. But I think it's quite clear that that decision that he's he's made wouldn't have been an easy one. But obviously, I think the way I think he, he was he worked. Off, he obviously worked closely with Gary Bowie and. I, I think the way that was handled has not gone down well with a lot of people at Dens Park. Obviously, it's not gone down with people outside Dens Park either. Yeah, I mean, Alan, it, it, it was an issue for United, although they were able to get Jack Ross for all it didn't turn out well, that if you if you change your manager every year, for a few years or every year and a half, candidates are going to be wary, aren't they? Yeah, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and... Dundee United, although this will obviously have people screaming at their phones, do have the benefit of having a, a better infrastructure and yeah. being a, a bigger club in you know in modern day football. In mo- he said it, not me. I'm not. I'm not I've no intention of going I'm back. I'm not to disagreeing, the, but I'm to, not saying it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going back to the fifties and sixties. I'm talking about modern day Ooh. infrastructure and. Um, uh, finances and pooling power uh, Dundee United have a slight advantage in that regard yeah. which can maybe get candidates to overlook um, wariness for example but even then you would mentioned Jack Ross Jack Ross held a lot of talks yeah. with Dundee United before eventually yeah. signing that was a kind of Callum Davidson style Dundee old he's the only guy they want for about 10 days before it eventually mm-hmm. got over yeah. the line because I remember waking up every morning thinking well, what's a new angle on this? Because all that was <laughs> happening was Jack was, uh, you know, making, thinking about it. you know, thinking about it and making finite conversations and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, to, to your point, undoubtedly it will give people pause for thought, especially Gary Boyer was was a class act. That, that was quite mm-hmm. clear in terms of his dealings with the media. However, a little bit like Jack Ross, actually, he was good at the very polite but pointed comments about... Yes. Needing budgets, needing players. Oh, yeah. You know, made it, it clear. Yeah. Jack was really good at that as well, to the point where I, I bet you, you know, can almost guarantee that he wound up people above him. You know, it's and I thought Gary Boyer did that as well in terms of um, you know pointed comments that had quite clear subtext. So, you know, managers will be thinking about that as well. And absolutely, I, I think we've mentioned this before, but football's uh, you know everybody knows everybody in football management. Yeah. So mm. if and managers tend to be more astute yes. now. Like, like said Jack Ross, Callum Davidson, I'm sure, is in the same boat. Is he, he can't afford another failure? Yeah. Right now, due diligence yeah. is yeah commonplace. A manager will not take a job without speaking to twenty, thirty uh, people that have worked uh-huh. around the club or worked directly at the club. People will be phoning Gary Boyer. You know, yeah, so yeah. that's uh, so. You know, that's in terms of. I, I don't think it's necessarily the. 
the optics of all oh, managers keep leaving but what it will do is it will make managers do their due diligence and if Gary Boyer does have anything negative to say about the experience then any potential candidates will mm-hmm. should us heck know about that and if the the budget and the finance isn't enough for people to kind of overlook the, the negative side of things that they're not going to take the job are they that's just the, the way the world works one, one thing I, I would say in, in but they will get a manager. I'm, 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 <laughs> I hope so. I've, 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 I've become a Dundee defender, and that'll worry a lot of people out there. Seeing as well, well they could do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Dundee are very good at failing to stick to their budget as well. The 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 ten in the case, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's a, are you suggesting a manager takes the job based aye, on the chance that they might aye. just not stick to the budget? They'll panic in January. <laughs> I'll lose two games in December. Uh, They'll panic in Jan- January and give give me some more money. But they have, they have in the, uh, you know in the past come up with a bit of money that was unexpected here and there, which was an attraction. But go back to, I mean. Alan's saying people will all phone Gary Boyer. His statement last week was issued through the League Managers Association. Yeah. People will have phoned. People from abroad even will phone. People that know in the League Managers Association without speaking directly to Gary Boyer and say, what was the story with that boy? Did you, did he tell you anything mm. off the record? And stuff like that. And that's the way football... And, so, and sometimes they'll maybe get a distorted picture. But it doesn't help Dundee get a manager. And they really do need to get a manager quite quickly, don't they, George? Well, yeah, the, the, they need to sort out their players. They've, as, as you say, they can't even field a five-a-side team at the moment. They've only got four. Um, and no goalie. It's not, well, a, well, not a great place to be in. Well, what are we worrying about? <laughs> There's also the, the lack of head of recruitment isn't ideal when you're recruiting a new manager either. Like yeah. There should be synergy at a football club. You should mm-hmm. have a manager that you know work really well with your head of recruitment. That's incredibly difficult when you don't have either. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, that's a you know how a as yet hypothetical manager will work with an as yet hypothetical head yeah. of recruitment is is maybe the least of their concerns, I, but it just kind of sums but up. It, may, it might be good to do it in that order, if you know what I mean. I'm sure they would. Whoever is going to be the new manager would have worked fine with Gary Ogilvy, but if you get a manager in and then they have somebody in mind who might who obviously works well with him in the past or whatever that that might work as you say they will get you know they'll get someone that's an attractive like you know this situation last year is what what got them Gary Boyer so nobody knew anything about Gary Boyer last year so there's there's going to be a manager out there that's either um, desperate to get back in or just want as was more the case with Gary Boyer just wanted a new challenge you know there'll be someone Ah, out there but it's important they get it right well they've had a, a lot of applications um, as you would, I'm sure there'll be some football manager uh, applications in there and stuff like that. But there will, will Neville, be some, Neville Scala will be yeah, in there somewhere. Uh-huh. Be some, uh, there will be some serious candidates in there, um, and obviously they now have to look for someone other than than Callum Davidson, who's who's their choice. Um, I wonder if they if Gordon Strachan now kind of he's not going to be a manager again, but kind of takes the decisions on the players. If, if this is going to drag on a bit and maybe take a wee bit more time to find their manager if it's if we're mm-hmm. talking you're talking about 10 days for Chat Ross if we're talking that that long we're getting really late in the in the day for yeah, getting these players signed up and that was that was 10 days when Jack Ross had been spoken to and identified as the number one candidate yeah. you know that that's not exactly. coming from a point of it was literally only yesterday that Dundee realised that they need to get someone else yeah, so exactly. uh, that's but one thing I'm curious about are there not and you'd have an idea who they would be but are there not players and we talk about Gordon Strachan potentially negotiating there must be some absolute no-brainers in there in terms of getting tied up that yeah. even without a manager that could be happening right now we saw Lyle Cameron sign yeah. on without Which a manager good, yes. surely they can get some there, there must be no-brainers in there that, that they're trying to get tied up even without a manager well to me they should have had those no-brainers tied up Aye, true. in January um, I'm talking about well, Josh uh, Mulligan yeah Josh Mulligan Cammy Kerr Lee Ashcroft Ryan Sweeney there, there will be teams that want to take these boys uh, and be quite keen to take them um, the kind of heartbeat your, your team Jordan McGee I think they showed how 
they, they can miss him when he's been injured the, the, towards the end of the season and, and he's he's been a leader in, in that dressing room um, I mean that the leadership group that they've, they've had over the past season has been Ryan Sweeney Cammy Kerr and Adam Langston's so that obviously tells that th- those are the ones they, tr- they trusted to take on that mantle mm-hmm. as the most responsible in the team you'd think you'd want to keep them there's plenty in there we've talked about the young players and obviously the, the one thing they've they've done properly since they finished the season as champions is get Lyle Cameron signed up that, yeah. that took me by surprise I have to admit because obviously they didn't have a manager um, and I I thought there would certainly be other teams sniffing around and, and offering some some a decent contract for him so they secured one asset there, but there there are quite a few in there that I, I would be. Keeping. In a strange way, is it more worrying because I can't imagine that maybe the odd Premiership club here, but certainly Championship clubs in Scotland, there'll be a few have picked up the phone to Lee Ashcroft, Aye. Ryan Sweeney, and Adam Legs Legsdens. Maybe not so much up here, but lower division clubs down south. Yeah, pick up the phone now. Absolutely, experienced players, uh, a lot of them. Married with families now, they've got to think about their mortgages. Exactly. So they, they, they yeah. might want to. They might say, "Well, I want to stay at Dundee, but a two-year contract somewhere two else weeks, where yeah. they know the bills are going to be mm-hmm. paid." Exactly. Uh, they have to do the right thing by their family, if yeah. nothing else. A hundred percent. It's. Uh, I don't envy the situation that they're in. Uh, I think that the contracts are maybe got a couple of weeks to go, or whatever, or, or three weeks. I don't know the exact dates when the, when these things end. Um, the end of the month, would it not? I think it might be. I think there's maybe a week in, in June it, it goes in, I think. But it's around about then. Um, it leaves yourself in a really kind of vulnerable position in terms of losing your entire squad, effectively. Um, and these guys have just added a league title to their CVs. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter how maybe difficult they made it as, as a team at, at times, that looks pretty good from yeah. a perspective another team that fancies taking them on um, there are quite a few players in that team that I would keep it Alex Yukubek I didn't mention I think he was really good this season looks fit he said he wants to stay Lee Ashcroft says he wants to stay I mean players would say that mm-hmm. anyway but they just need to get but it, my worry as a fan is that the manager comes in and God love that championship winning team in the dramatic fashion in which they achieved it but a lot of them were relegated two years ago, yeah. so there there has to be a strengthening oh, of the squad. Th- yeah, there has to be a, a shake-up. A year ago, sorry, they but were you, relegated. You don't want a Nottingham Forest situation where you've got yeah. 20 new players and you have to try and gel them all together. That's well, I go, I, I go back to the, the wages that Dundee rightly will restrict themselves to because they've got to keep the club running properly and they've mm-hmm. got to think of the future of the club. You don't want 12, 13 new players at that level. It, do, it doesn't, no. it's too many. Yeah, definitely. It's too many to bed in. I don't you, think you, you go up a higher level, you can sign more, but it doesn't always work as we've seen with Nottingham Forest. Yeah, and, and you've got that mentality already instilled, that, that kind of winning mentality from last season as well. A, a lot of these players as well have had two promotions now. I know last season didn't work at all uh, in the Premiership, but you'd hope that that the spirit's there to go and do it properly this time. I don't think anyone's suggesting that, you know, the entire championship yeah. winning squad gets mm-hmm. tied up, but it's just that core. You know, you, yeah. a new yeah. manager coming in isn't going to be appalled because he's got 10 contracted players uh, as a core mm-hmm. that he didn't snap up. He would make a judgment on them. I think they could then improve it, you could then bolster it, but you just need a, a core because yeah. a manager must be coming in and and the thing I find interesting about the players discussion is and only the players will know this but if they do end up with two or three offers on their table how will the communication or clarity or lack thereof in recent weeks affect their decision making because do they feel particularly valued at this moment no, in time? No, How, I can't imagine they would. Right? They've just won the league. Yeah. Come in and they say, "Boys, there's no contracts." Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, you're talking about and rightly pointing out 
you know, the, these people have mortgages and families exactly the same way we do. And if your job was in the balance for two, three weeks and nobody was picking up the phone or really be able to tell you anything, would you feel valued as an employee? Would you want to stick around if another club down south was to offer you the same money or maybe a tiny I don't bit think more? I ever felt valued as an employee. <laughs> but I never really blamed anyone but me. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, you I, I, I didn't actually disagree with that opinion. <laughs> yeah. there, there will be a, f a few that just have just already decided, yeah. saw, saw this, I'm going somewhere else, I've had enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then you get a domino effect. To your, if your mate goes, you think, well, he's not going to be there next year. So yeah. then it's it, yeah. once there's one or, one or two. Is a good thing that Lyle Cameron signed, obviously. And while it's not the ideal situation, if it came down to Gordon Strachan deciding who who was getting offered the contract, at least you know there's a guy there that can judge a player. Yeah, exactly. And the, I mean, his experience is it's kind of unparalleled, I guess, across Scotland in terms of what he's done in the game. Um, and in a funny way, it makes it easier for a new manager coming in because he wasn't the one who said, sorry, you're not getting a contract. <laughs> he can go to his dressing room, my hands are tied. Yeah. That decision was taken before I was at the club. I guess so. And in terms of Cameron, I, I, part of why I was a little surprised that they got him kind of signed up was because we've seen so many young players come through and then just disappear after playing one season or half mm. a season or whatever. I think in terms of a football on decision, I think it's probably a good one for him because he's going to play next season. Mm -hmm. If he'd moved on to a club down south, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, they just, they just stuck him in the gym for six months and then mm -hmm. thought about playing him yeah. towards the end of the season. Aye. Or if he moved on to another club here, it would probably be a similar situation where he'd be one for the future. And Dundee's going to play. And he's going to be an important player. And I, I think that's, that's good for him providing he has some teammates to actually pass to in, in the next few weeks. But you hope it's the right manager for him as well that yeah. comes in, because mm -hmm. I think that's pretty key, because you don't want a manager that comes in and says, right, this is the Scottish top flight, we need physicality, we need hard running, we need people that can size up with yeah. your yeah. your Livingstons of the world, and then he looks, funny things. he looks at the five-foot-six diminutive midfielder. But then Boyer's preference was for because of his experience mm -hmm. in the lower leagues in England was big, strong, yeah. fast and you could see with the signings he made mm -hmm. but Cameron managed to get himself in that team yeah. and made himself a mainstay in it. If, he's, if he's good enough and is effective enough and he's such an intelligent footballer yeah, in terms of the spaces that he picks up and the wee gaps that he finds I've got no doubt he will play yeah. but it is just one of those other aspects of uncertainty yeah, that yeah. is thrown up by this situation I know and George, tell me this. Am I just being a suspicious Dundee fan, but the fact that Cameron signed a new deal and Josh Mulligan hasn't, <laughs> I'm thinking he's gone. He'd be a, an easy, well, not an easy, but a, a player. I'd, Based I'd, totally on the fact that one signed and he hasn't as well. <laughs> yeah. Sound um, logic there. No, I can see that logic. The type of player Josh Mulligan is, big, strong, fast, runs... Yeah just runs through boys, over boys. Um, you could see why clubs down south in particular would very much like to pick him up. Um, and Hart. And Hearts, yeah. They keep getting mentioned with him. Yeah. I must um, admit, he, he fits the bill for me for what, when I think of a Hearts player, especially from the back. Yeah. Strong, rampaging forward. But... Dundee will this get... Is, this is the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night, George. Yeah. No, my understanding was that he almost moved in January down south, but the club in question um, stepped back when they found out they had to pay compensation for him, which tells you that Dundee will get some money and it will be yeah. it'll be a decent yeah. money because he's been at Dundee his, his entire youth career, so there will be a penny, a pretty penny coming Dundee's way. It won't be quite what the fans might like for one of their top young players, but will be the case so I, I, my feeling is he's, he's just seeing what's out there he may still say which he's entitled to do and it shows he's got a brain yeah he's a good lad he's, done, he's a Dundee boy Dundee fan so you'll leave then you'll <laughs> <laughs> take the money and, and run I can run <laughs> I can run and run and run yeah that's what I think he would be a great asset to Dundee in the Premier League 
Yeah, no, I th- he showed that in his brief appearances, even though the team was really struggling, he, he came back from his loan um, down in, in League One where he'd done brilliantly uh, and he started scoring goals and just took to the league like a, a duck to water or a, what did you say earlier, a cat to the hen house? A cat to water. <laughs> a cat to the hen house. It's a real menagerie this week. <laughs> um, so he wouldn't have any problems, I, I don't think. Um, what position he, pl- he would play at? be interesting because a lot of people have different opinions about where he can play which is an asset for him because well, he's versed I assume it. he's got an agent and if I was his agent having an eye on the pound side I'd say oh, son I think you're a wing back I think he's yeah. a wing back myself <laughs> yeah. there's money to be made in that position these days yeah. I think he's perfect for a wing back yeah so. I like him coming from deep that almost sounded like I knew what was faint about <laughs> there but of course I don't anyway good stuff guys We'll be back next week and you never know, Dundee might have a manager by then. Fingers crossed. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or... Go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.